0: training tuesday 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 you hear this bracken <sighs> disgusting why is that disgusting disgust because who chugs a drink into a microphone <laughs>
1: yeah nobody on this podcast you know nope. it's a rare it's a rare treat bracken when i get to drink my coffee with you while recording it's one of the, my favorite things in life is to be able to sit down and have a a cup of coffee and do this. Do you know that? Yeah. And I do it, what, three times a year because we don't record early in the mornings. And so this is a real treat for me. So thanks for allowing me this pleasure.
0: Well, thank you for being flexible and starting early today. I've uh, I've got stuff on the agenda. I'm back from vacation, catching up on everything, and the day is packed.
1: You know, it was a big tease uh, seeing you for an interview with Glenn Race on Friday, and we couldn't catch up. We couldn't chat because as soon as we popped on... Glenn was there ruining the party, and I couldn't catch up on your trip and everything. So this feels like we're finally
0: getting up to speed today. It's tough. We were those those undercover lovers making eyes at each other across the room, mm-hmm. just waiting for the party to clear out. Holding hands under the table, that sort of thing. Yep, a little footsie.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, catch me up, brother. I ran a race this weekend. You came back from... Ireland. We were just talking about Ireland. Where were you again? Sweden. Sweden. Uh, so we got some things to talk about. How was Sweden? I saw a couple photos. Your wife Lisa, she's very good about posting those things. It looked
0: like a, an icy wonderland. that accurate? It was. It was just like white out everywhere. We were in the northern area. We stayed in Stockholm for the first three days? Two days? Who knows? one second.
1: Bracken's um, hawking a loogie right now. Spit it into a mason jar in case you're wondering. That's yep. right. Got one mason jar for drinking and one for loogies. Don't get them confused. No, you don't want to.
0: You got to color code them.
1: Yeah, this time of year is tough. Spring's tough. I got the same stuff going. I got uh, <clears throat> I got a little of this uh, allergy situation. And I can always see it in your eyes when you have this going on. Yeah, This time of year is tough on you, isn't it?
0: Oh, yeah. I wear it right in front of my face here. Keep going. And it was the, the flight set it off. And then when we got back, like the last four hours of our last flight, I was like, yep, this week's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we stayed our first three days in Stockholm and there was no snow on the ground. It was in the f- high 30s, low 40s every day. And it was beautiful. Rained a little bit. No snow. And then we flew an hour and a half north to Lulio and you are right on the sea. Um, you're up at the north-eastern side, and there was no, there's no patch of ground that wasn't snow. And what they do up there, which is really interesting, is they just compact the snow down. Even their shovels are designed to skim across the top and leave it compact. So they don't plow, per se. Their plows compact and skim. So they just leave everything snow-covered, and then they drop, like, almost like little pea gravel on top of it for traction. Hmm. And they just keep adding more gravel as they compact it down. And then at the end of the year, when everything melts, they come through with the big street sweepers and they gather up all the gravel and they get they restockpile it and then they use it again next year. So the roads, the sidewalks, everything is snow, which is shockingly effective and fun. And everyone's used to it, so it doesn't bother anyone.
1: Yeah, if you get a bunch of snow, there's nowhere to put it. So instead of piling it and piling it, if you pack it down and add a little grippy on top, it probably works itself out all right.
0: Yeah. Huh.
1: Actually, running on that stuff, like if if you've run after a snowstorm and the plows have come, but it's not clean and you have the salt truck go by, like you can get some good grip on that packed snow with gravel. Yeah. You found that
0: true? Yeah, there was one point where there was a leak somewhere and... It, it was like a clean cut through on the ice. It had melted straight through. And there was like four inches of ice built up under the snow on top of the road. So we are probably like six inches above the road at that point of the year.
1: Mm.
0: It was interesting. And then it's surrounded by lakes that just lead to the sea. And they separate all the little towns. And they treat it like an ice rink. They plow a path all the way down to the ice every morning. It's clean. And it is for skating and skiing. And then on the side of it, they keep a walking path on either side of the ice that's like 8 to 10 feet wide of compacted groomed snow for for skate skiing and for walking. And people just commute across the lakes, on the lakes, exercise on it. It connects the little communities or you can just go out. The last day there, I, I just ran all the available paths on the lake and I got 11 miles. Wow. And like touch pavement or what would be pavement for like a mile and a half of it, it was 10 miles of just lake running and such it's it's a really really interesting place they have these snow plows going it's almost like zambonis just on their lakes
1: that would be really cool so most of your commute was spent above water on frozen what i see water lake water
0: yeah brackish water i guess in that spot
1: brackish brackish do you feel a connection to that word i would if i were you
0: I do. Even though for like the first twenty years of my life I thought it meant something it didn't.
1: <laughs> what did you think it meant?
0: I thought it was like swampy, blackish, muckyish water. And then I finally realized this is never used that way. It's the mix of sea and you know, salt and fresh water, and then it sounds cooler.
1: Yeah, brackish sounds scummy, and that tracks for all the the things and people I know that yeah, sound similarly. <laughs>
0: I'm sitting here in a homemade cutoff. It's it's kind of brackish.
1: That is a little brackish of you, Bracken. Uh, my curiosity is in the transition seasons. Then I know you weren't there uh, for the transition seasons. But then, what do they do in summer? What do they do when you have the honeycomb ice and
0: it's on its way in or out? Do you know? No, I don't. I don't. They but they must just have equ- everyone's got boats along the side. I, I think it becomes a a water sport based community at that point. Mm canoeing and kayaking and sculling and whatnot I,
1: sculling i always wondered about those communities because i've actually never been what you call that northern europe how would you describe what you, what is that region called what would you call it?
0: it's sub-Arctic. subarctic. we were but, within an hour of the arctic circle yeah
1: I, but what would be like the norway sweden is that region called something scandinavia scandinavia yeah scandinavia i've always been curious about um, my envision is like, or I envision like a very fit community. Like if you were to go walk around a community space oh, yeah. versus like here in Minneapolis, every other person's going to have a big gut and they're going to be grossly overweight. And there I envision like in the same sense, it might be one out of four, or one out of 10 versus what we see here in the States. Yeah. It's very, very active that way.
0: Extremely. It, it reminded me of living in Colorado, except even more specific. It was like living in Boulder, where everyone's there for a reason. Except even in Boulder, some people are there for tech or for university or anything else. So you've met my parents, right? I've never met I've never met your parents, and you've never met. My oh, parents? I assume you would have seen them at at a Spartan. Long race. overdue, Pete. They're 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 in shape people. My dad's six foot, I think one seventy five. My frame just a little lighter. I mean, we've talked about her work ethic. <laughs> I couldn't find them. The first day there, they they went and watched my sister's first game, and we decided to let the kids have a rest day. So they flew an hour to watch a game and then came back, and we were meeting at a sign on the ice, and we were coming from one side of the lake, they were coming from the other, and I couldn't pick them out in the crowd. And I never run into that, because at, at a little bit over six foot, my dad's generally at least a little bit taller than the average in the crowd and they're so in shape that they stand out in the U.S., Mm -hmm. and everyone looked like everyone in a winter jacket over there. I could not pick them out. We couldn't find them. I could see that. Which is very strange, and I've never been anywhere in my life where I've consistently felt this short.
1: Tall over that way.
0: Yeah, I I think Sweden has one of the highest average heights in the world, but generally in the U.S., in any given room, I'm either the tallest person or amongst one of them, like truly tall. I'm I'm not tall. I'm six foot and change. But over there, I was probably slightly, I, I was average, depending on the room I was in.
1: You obviously know why I chose, you know, Vietnam and my previous trip over there to Thailand. It's just makes, <laughs> well, I was thinking about gigantic. that. I said that to Lisa. Yeah.
0: You came back never having felt taller, and I came back never having <laughs> felt shorter.
1: Yeah, strategic planning.
0: And then we're there to watch my sister play basketball. Right. And I would have been the fourth shortest person on her team. <laughs> so, That's all right. Yeah, the rooms we were in were different. But, yeah, I'd say one in, 15, one in 15 had you know, noticeable body fat or wasn't clearly enough. Everyone was exercising. The, one of the guys who was uh, her, her teammate's dad who is organizing a lot of our housing and things like that. He said, "Yeah, I, I, my office is right there. I walk there. It's a 40-minute walk each day." Like, "Okay, that's mm-hmm. that's not happening in the US unless you don't have access to a vehicle because of poverty or unless you're a rare individual who wants that." Mm-hmm. And he's he's a successful businessman and he walks across the lake each day because it's enjoyable. I
1: love that. So, how did um Cause we kind of followed, we had a training while on vacation episode and then we chatted out your plans, how I, you know, we perceived it. How did, give me a quick like elevator speech on your training out there, how it went. Do you have more clarity? Remember I came back from Vietnam, came back from Vietnam and I had a rebirthing of sorts, right? I was like, oh my God, it's so clear now. Like the clouds yeah. have parted, the seas have calmed and here I now understand what I want to do the rest of the year. Did you have a rebirthing? Of your fitness journey out there, Bracken?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I did. Uh, well, first of all, I did what I said I was going to do, which is I cleared my schedule and just did whatever I wanted to do. And you know what I found myself doing, Kirk? Mm. I naturally settled into a certain type of routine. What do you think it was?
1: With your running in particular?
0: Everything, but yeah. I think you went to some
1: very simple time-based interval format for some reason. That's what I would envision. Or you went out and you and you progressed. That's what I would imagine.
0: Both. But yeah, I settled into go jog, explore, have fun, see the area, and then the next run hit something quality on it, Mm. and then lift, recover, easy jog with Lisa, and then explore and hit another one. I, I settled right into a training routine. It was every third day was hard, and I was lifting in between, and when I lifted, I was at this gym, which my sister told me in advance what it was going to be like, but it was still interesting to see. It's either moms and dads or professional athletes. Basically, those are the only people that frequent this gym because it's kind of pricey. So it's it's professionals or professional athletes. Sure. And it was a bunch of young Nordic sports and soccer players and basketball players. And immediately, I found myself wanting to train more like them than the people there for fitness. I wanted to train for performance. Yeah, that didn't surprise me. I found myself wanting to do isolation leg exercises and compound lifts. And you walk into the room and everyone's got their shoes off, deadlifting or front squatting in their socks on the platform. It's like, it, this just feels right. So it was very clarifying. The whole... Uh, I'm just going to do what I feel like when I feel like it immediately turned into a training schedule and a routine and training for performance, not for pleasure because performance is pleasure for me.
1: hundred percent. Discipline is also freedom. They go hand in
0: hand. Yeah. So that, that was, it was very clarifying that when given the freedom to do whatever I wanted to do, I trained like I was prepping for a competition.
1: You know, it's funny about that too. You had said, um, on a, I don't know if it was our last podcast episode before you left, but it was like, well, when Kirk was gone, I did an episode on shoes. I did two episodes on compromised run yep. workouts, and we talked, what, double threshold training with Rich? You're like, it's very obvious what I went to. I went to compromised yeah. running and shoes. Could you find a theme in what I went to? Because I very easily can.
0: Yeah, had Tyler Jermaine on. <laughs> he talked full-out recoveries <laughs> and marathon training. Uh,
1: yeah. And it, Fred
0: Clary strength training <laughs> yep. and
1: I went right to the wheelhouse there. So it's not it's funny, but I didn't even do it intentionally. It was like, who do I want to talk to next? And then I was like, oh, these people like jump right out at me. Yeah. And it, it's so funny how that works. But anyways, so you're around athletes, you trained like an athlete.
0: Yeah, and it's funny that we live our lives every day and forget who we are sometimes. Like it takes a, a moment like that someone to tell me. I got Tim Lambiris messaged me. He said, Hey, when you were talking about how you get faster at the mile, when you train for a 50 K, he said, I was just thinking that the other day. And I thought about messaging you, but I thought, ah, it's not my place. And then everything you said in that episode was what I was going to say to you. Like Tim and I have probably ran in person together five times. And he knows that undisputable truth about me. I've lived in my body every day, my entire life. And I came to this conclusion. <laughs> he knows it. And uh, this vacation showed me we our blinders are on. We forget sometimes really what is our wheelhouse. What do we truly value? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you talk about it enough on the podcast occasionally where I think people understand that. I actually thought about you during my trail race this weekend in the middle really? of it. I thought, I don't know what it was that made me – maybe I, it, I had a flashback to us hitting – um, like Granite peak ski hill together. Or when you came out and ran Afton, we did a big, like yeah. up and descending workout, but there was a section. It just like, it, it gave me this weird, like, uh, deja vu nostalgia of running with you and in the middle of it, and this is the middle of the race, but for some reason you crossed my mind. And I was like, if Bracken just did this, he would be a monster. I just thought about that in my race. Like if Bracken showed up and trained for a race like this, he would be a monster. And and then it went away because I was suffering pretty bad. But it crossed my mind recently, too. That's all.
0: Well, that warms my heart hearing about that. I
1: really did. Um, and then do you uh, – did you have any racing clarity or anything? Like do you, does it change anything for you or are you still kind of yeah. – you do. Do you want to share or do you not want to share? No, I don't. Okay. I don't want to share. All
0: right. Uh, you and I have talked about this. It cemented what it, you and I had previously talked okay. about.
1: Keeping it a mystery.
0: Yeah, not not a mystery, but – Like I've said multiple times on here, after five years of training plans and race plans aborted by injuries and nonsense, I'm done putting things out there because sometimes it almost feels like a self-fulfilling prophecy. All right, I'm good now. I'm going for this and here's what the goal is. And six weeks later, I'm on the shelf. So I'm done with that. It's not that I'm being coy. Maybe it is. Maybe I am being coy, but I'm not intentionally being coy or 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 keeping things in the dark, I'm just, I'd rather do it, and then we can talk about it afterwards if I got there and was able to compete. Not not accomplish the goal, mm-hmm. but even got to the start line.
1: Yeah, that's cool. We can talk about that after we hit the stop button. Yeah. And then the last question about your trip. That's right. Traveling is fascinating to me. I'm going to be doing a significantly uh, increased amount of traveling moving forward. I've Me and Jess have made that decision, like, different type of culture travel, not within the United States, mm-hmm. at least one a year, maybe one and a half a year. But um, what are your biggest three, what are the biggest three things that stand out to you about your trip? Obviously, maybe it's family, the family stuff, but more about the the place specifically. Like what are some things of note that stand out to you? Bracken's top three things from his trip. Very official. This won't shock you, but I'm going
0: to start by saying something that's not one of the top three. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm just going to say that our family travels really well. And I know they don't listen to this, but our kids are are kind of rock stars when they travel. Mm. They're 5, 7, and 10. And I think we had two times where tears appeared during the travel. Two from the airport, on the plane. We were going for two weeks, had like six different flights, and twice did someone cry. Not bad. And even in those times, it was like, tears are coming, but shoulders are up and we're getting the job done. they just, they were really, really good at traveling mm. and, and traveling with kids can be a nightmare. And you look around the plane and around the airport. And we're, I was just constantly grateful that our kids and my wife and my parents are just kind of all on the same page. I would uh, – they, they, it's been drilled into them now what, what the expectation is, but I would say to them, all right, what's the only goal today? And Ayla would say, get it done. <laughs> like, That's exactly right. Mir would say, it doesn't matter how, we're getting it done. <laughs> like, Yep, all right, good. I love it. And that was their attitude. They stuck with it the whole time, like – we're sprinting through the airport. They all had a roller board with them and a backpack. Like They're expected to carry their own luggage. If they pack it, they carry it. And they're running through the airport on a connection because we got diverted at one point from a nonstop to a layover. And it was one of those 60-minute layovers and you have to go through customs mm-hmm. like a nightmare. Been there. And they're running through the airport laughing and keeping up. So just to the people who aren't going to end up even me listening to this, a shout out that they were rock stars. I like that. But three biggest takeaways. The first is that the people in the area of Sweden that we were in, that northern Sweden, they use their seasons like we don't. They don't have necessarily better weather than us. It was maybe a little less windy than than our winter. Um, granted, we might have been there in just a, a balmy time of year, but they have fully embraced what their seasons are, and they are outside using it every single day. And they've revolved their life around it, and so it's not weird. If you tried doing these things here, you'd be the 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 oddball doing it. But there, I, I looked at it and thought, there's no reason Lake Geneva couldn't be doing this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Plowing a path around their lake, putting figure eights out there for people to to ski on, and making an entire industry around skate rental and these different toboggans they take out on the ice and how they... Commute. So they embrace what they have, and as a result, they're an incredibly healthy, fit nation. Hmm. That'd probably be my biggest one. I like that. Second is that I'm a winter person, as is Lisa, and I don't know if I could have ever definitively said that until then. I would way rather put another layer on. Than sweat through my clothes.
1: Oh, I'd love, I'd prefer to sweat through my clothes. And I'm very active in the winter outside. I spend all winter outside. I still prefer summer and sweaty and sticky. We talked about you too.
0: I hope hope you did. said, I cannot imagine going to Vietnam right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be so crabby in that sticky heat right now. This is so much No, you'd love it. You'd love it. I know. Okay,
1: you're a winter person.
0: All right. I lived in North Carolina for a year. My sister lived in Atlanta for a year, and that's not anywhere near Vietnam. And still, 98 and sticky is too much for me. All
1: right. Good to know. Winter person. All right. You'd think you'd naturally be better on cross-country skis. Yeah. For being such a winter person. Take that.
0: This is just going to be the (laughs) the thorn in my shoe. You know, for being (laughs) such an athlete. go out there and learn how to ski. I had
1: somebody, somebody who was it? Oh, one of my uh, we interviewed uh, coworkers of mine, Pete and Ben from Revival PT. We talked about the piddly shit mm-hmm. in quotation marks with, and Pete said, "Yeah, I started following Bracken on Instagram, DPT Pete or something, Doctor Pete." Anyways, uh, he's like, he's like, man, what an athlete! He saw a video of you dunking. He's like, he just, he looks like a beast. And my response is like, yeah, but have you ever seen him <laughs> ski? <laughs> That's
0: so bad. <laughs>
1: Uh, I was trying to I was trying to humanize you a little bit, but anyways. You did. Uh, continue.
0: Uh, <laughs> I thought I'm an athlete. I'll figure this out. And I was so pathetic both times.
1: Uh huh. Okay, so that was your second thing. You you're a winner person. Good to know. What's the last yeah. one? You get one more.
0: I just absolutely need to live on water.
1: Come join me. Yeah,
0: that'll be a... Uh, and, and Lisa has known that about herself for years, but it's just so... The first place we stayed was, I don't know, 80 meters to the water, even though it's frozen. It's just life is different next to the water than it is adjacent to the water. Just that little bit difference being closer where you can walk out the door and be there. It's a different different experience.
1: Other than the storms when you live on the water seeming like way more like ominous and intense, like that all of a sudden... Makes everything seem worse when a storm rolls in. Other than those times, there's like an underlying sort of like calming, under sort of like peace by the water, I yeah. feel like I haven't had before. I mean, I moved from a town home to the lake, and townhome was cramped. I was very different, and just this underlying
0: right. um
1: serenity. So I'm with you there.
0: Okay. Okay, that that's not gonna be that's gonna be a, a half of the final takeaway. The third is that I need Vert. Everyone in my family could have moved to this town right there on the spot, and I just kept thinking, there's no hills. Mm. We're on the flat side of Sweden, yep I did an 11 mile uh basically a song run or a five five. I just did one song hard, one song easy on the ice on the lake my my last big run there, and I gained something like 85 feet <laughs> in those 11 miles. you know it's yeah. you're just not finding vert around there. I found myself craving that.
1: I could see that. I got my Nordic track back up and working finally, so I'm going to be getting some of those. Me games. too. But okay, yeah, got a new belt. Look, at, leave it to you. I asked you for three things, and you gave me five. Yep. Got to keep it long. Brevity long.
0: is not what I'm known uh-huh. for. All right, well, good to have you back. Now I want to hear about you, Kirk. Thank you. You had your your trail race. Yeah, Zumbro 17 miler. 17 miles. 17.3 yeah. something. Before you start, I just want to say. For people that aren't living in the Midwest right now, our weather is foolish. While we were gone, I think we got in two or three days like 12 to 16 inches of snow. Mm -hmm. And we got back and it was gone. We have no snow on the ground here. And it's hot. It's 51 degrees right now. So the trails are just a mess. A mess. So with the prefacing that, go ahead. I want to hear about this.
1: Yeah, looking at my phone, 67 is the high today, 74 Tuesday, 80 on Wednesday, Oof. 78 on Thursday. That's what we have coming. And this is all right after we got a that's than bunch us. of rain. Uh, do you come into crime over there? It's a lot of sirens today. How are
0: you always hotter than us and colder than us? Don't know. Your summers are hotter than our hot, and your winters are way colder than our cold. What is that?
1: I'm not sure. I could not, I'm not a weatherman, believe it or not. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was <laughs> uh, well you know a question you know I don't have an answer to gets an answer that what it is what it is I didn't know that I thought maybe living up there you had a it's the blank effect nope nope but anyways we got a bunch of rain yeah. and snow and then the warm temperatures finally followed all that so yeah they um I ran this Zumbro 17 mile trail race it was my third year in a row um, it was funny. We had, there were two or three guys there with, uh, Luther college. They're just out of college a year or two. They that haven't run before yep. and they had their gear on. I was like, all right, maybe we're going to have ourselves a race today. I don't know. Now, old man, old man, DeWint crushed them. I'm still in better shape than a 27 minute 8k or like, no problem. See you later. Which was comforting. Cause I then looked them up and saw what they ran in college. And I was like, you know, they run 26 mids, 26 yeah. high. Um,
0: which made me feel good knowing that but, because um, twenty six mid's not slow, no, but there's no guarantee that transfers to a trail. It'll get you out for the first mile or two, and then then the trail gobbles you, so
1: they had to modify the course due to flooding uh the Mississippi or whatever river Zumbro River was up five feet, and so it was on part of the trail, so um, <laughs> yeah, five feet. Uh, the trail was five feet underwater. May, may, let me asterisk that on the beginning of the week. So uh, first of all,
0: they said that's outrageous. It's outrageous.
1: Yeah, there's a current where the trail you'd be running is as you get swept away by Arctic water. Like you can't do that.
0: Adam Buck didn't cover that in his trail
1: <laughs> chat. That that river just didn't know trail etiquette. You know, it was unfortunate. Trail, no. but. So then their the contingency plan was like a 5.7-mile loop three times if the flooding didn't recede enough. Well, the flooding did recede enough to open up most of the trails, but it was a modified route. Um, everybody was longer this year. Everybody was slower this year uh, versus last year. And for the second year in a row, I played second fiddle to the gentleman uh, who beat me, Joshua Mirth, Um and I text myself this so I wouldn't forget. And this is embarrassing. So I talked to Joshua after the race. He ran two twenty three in the marathon last year, and said he was in better shape this year. And he believes he can make Olympic trials, which is sub two eighteen, so two seventeen and change. Is where he's at. He's thirty. Yeah. I showed up in better fitness than last year. He showed up in better fitness than last year. Right, knowing he's ready to pound looking to yeah. do that at grandma's and i finished behind him only seven seconds different from what i finished behind him last year there was basically virtually What's well, not embarrassing there's basically no difference in how far apart we finished well if you saw the time gap near five minutes you'd say it's embarrassing um and then so anyway so his fitness got better my fitness got better basically net yielded the
0: same exact time gap as the year prior stupid that should actually now i understand losing with a big gap is but third place was seven minutes behind me
1: or eight minutes behind seven or eight minutes yeah so i was in no man's land i
0: ran that result should encourage both of you maybe to hear that the other guy showed up in better shape and the finished gap was the same that's good yeah Trail was in decent shape.
1: How long was this? What was the finish time? I was two oh two in change. He was one fifty-six in change. One fifty seven. One fifty seven in change. Um last year he went
0: one fifty. Okay, so extrapolate that.
1: Yeah. I should still be sub two thirty shape.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, based purely off of the time duration of this and the time gap. Yeah. Um now, you
1: know, I, I had not run a single downhill hard. Uh, I, I didn't even have my Nordic track. All I had was access to 15% treadmill and my traditional strength work. I went out conservative. I enjoyed myself for like six to eight miles. Like I was chatting people up, passing people high five and like, Kirk, you're going to go have fun today. Well, you know, what takes the fun out of it is after you've descended for about 1500 feet hard and your legs are like, yeah, you haven't been doing that buddy. Uh, piano still landed on my back eventually due to damage. Um, which is just, you know, I could have gone out of my way on the ski hills or figured it out, um, which I definitely left time on the table there. Um, but otherwise, uh, I was happy second for the second straight year, um, to a very worthy adversary. Uh, feel good about some of the people I finished in front of knowing what's on their resume. Um, I'm taking a week off. I've decided I'm getting ahead of it. I'm taking this week off at running even in the nice hot weather we're having here, which is very difficult for me to do. I want to go wrong with my shirt off in the worst way. Uh, um, I'm going to just get ahead of it. I'm ready to just decompress this week, enjoy, let my hips rest, and uh, and so I can make a big push for something maybe a little bit bigger in the summer or fall here. That's all you need to know right now. I do like that. So that's it. That's my re- recap. A lot of mud, some soup, some dry, a little bit of everything, some snow, a lot of ice running. Uh, Still with that frozen layer of ice that hasn't melted yet. Um, So it definitely slowed us down notably uh, at points. But overall, a good race. I'm still sore. I'm real sore. Like after going and running like a mountain race sore. I believe it. Which is bizarre because I haven't been in years past because I had done more descending. Um, But lesson learned there. That's my whole recap. Yeah, there's no
0: way around that. Mm -hmm. Like you had the ability to withstand it because of your years of descending. But you can't. You can't thrive in it unless you've been doing it.
1: I left, I bet you it cost me 60 to 90 seconds is what it cost me throughout the race, which isn't, it wouldn't have changed my placing. I was going to take second regardless, but if you're in a highly competitive field, that's very tight. The damage I took from descending would have cost me some positioning on the back half, but luckily it's just the Minneapolis Metro area. It's not people coming in from around the world. Uh, we had a lot of people. So this race is unique, and anybody who's thinking of coming up for it, it's a fantastic 17-ish mile loop um, by the race organization that I run call, uh, run a lot of their trail races called Rock Steady Running. And they have a 17-miler, a 34-miler, a 50-miler, and a 100-miler. And these are going mm. on starting on Friday, and they go. So you're passing people with that have been out there for 24 hours with a pink ribbon tied to their back. So you know who to encourage appropriately and whatever. But people travel. Like the woman who won came out of Alaska, won the 100-miler. She finished while I was was there. And so it's a travel-to race for the longer distances, especially the 100 and the 50, Uh, mostly locals for the 17 and the 34. But if anybody's looking to consider a non-altitude, you know, you'll get 15,000 feet of vert and 100 miles probably-ish. Not bad. Midwest place so some people should consider it if they're looking for something that's not at elevation now I'm done
0: two hours of running in on the trails some technicality some up some down some slop what did you go with for footwear the
1: traditional um Hoka speed goat fives not a racing shoe yeah that much pounding on a 170 pound frame I think for me having a little more underneath there to save the damage. The descendings was in my head. Uh, I thought more shoe, the better. So I didn't wear a racing shoe. I wore a trainer. And it was the right move because I still took plenty of damage.
0: I would have done the same. This is a long enough race that that advice we gave back in the day about how to choose your ultra footwear, which is you don't choose the shoe that makes you feel fast mile one. You choose the shoe that you can finish fast on the last mile. Yep exactly i think i would have done the the same thing what'd you do for fueling uh bolt energy chews per usual yep still blows my mind why because you and i are so different about what we can do during a race i just at threshold or above cannot chew and swallow it is a chore i every second i spend doing it i'm like actively angry and upset and uncomfortable it's 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 the last thing I want to be doing while racing. I have to drink those calories. Well I don't
1: enjoy it at all, <laughs> but I didn't think about my stomach one time in two hours. And I whatever you need to do to not think about your tummy, you do. You know?
0: Yep, that's exactly it.
1: So if that's what it takes. And when I opened my first bag, I opened it a little because 'cause I'm trying to watch the trail, not trip, and half of my half of my chews just burst out onto the trail and I was like, Uh-oh. uh oh. Uh oh. So, I took two, le- one less chew every time I took chews to manage my, my chews. But other than that, uh, things were good. Yeah.
0: Okay.
1: I average 172 beats a minute for two hours. So, I don't know what my threshold number is. I'm starting to question that. Like, what is my lactate <laughs> threshold? Like, I didn't think it was that yeah. high. My watch spits out, oh, your threshold's 168, 169. Well, you're wrong because I, I average 172 beats a minute for two hours. So
0: curious about that. So I, I wonder about this. This is going to be one of those <laughs> these uh, statements that I'm about to make that someone who knows what I'm talking about is going to be like I can't believe he's saying this out loud. This is a really dumb statement to make. <laughs> but because I don't know the science behind this I'm going to say it. Uh, and I'm going to start with an analogy first and then I'll say what I'm going to say so that people at least <laughs> who will think I'm an idiot understand where I'm coming from. When I get on the assault bike to do the 1,000 calories for time challenge, I have to do it as an over-under workout. If I go right to trying to average 1,000 calories per hour, or 1,100 calories per hour, right at that, I cannot make it an hour at that. It builds up too much fatigue in me and I will tip. Or it just becomes untenable and I have to back off a little bit. But if I go two minutes on, two minutes moderate, two minutes on, two minutes moderate, and then go over, under, over, under that target going 1,200, 1,000 or 1,300, 800, Mm -hmm. something like that, then the last 15 or 20 minutes, then I can peg it at 1,200 and hold it. I can do more work by going over, under, and the average is higher. Mm Mm-hmm. So is there something like that with heart rate where you couldn't go out and run 172 for two hours, but you could go 75, 68, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, uphills, downhills, flat, up, down, flat. Is there a case where you can average a higher heart rate than you can actually sustain if you have peaks and valleys?
1: It's a great question. A
0: cardiologist or someone who really knows exercise science might scoff at me for that, but we've seen that with OCR for years. Mm-hmm. I will average a higher heart rate than I know my threshold is. But it doesn't change the fact that when I do any sort of testing, that's what my threshold is. So that's what I'm putting out there into the world. Maybe Jeremy Whitley or someone like that will have a, a concrete answer. And maybe it'll be, like, hey, you might you're yeah, you're right. Or it might be, all right, little boy, let's sit down and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about the real science to you.
1: Jeremy Whitley, this is your call to action. Call to action. Jeremy Whitley will send us uh peer reviewed Peer-reviewed studies on uh, certain topics we discuss once in a while. Jeremy's an absolute nerd when yeah. it comes to this stuff in the best way. In the best way, and uh, that's not a dumb question. In fact, you think you think. Well, maybe lactate is being buffered at a fast enough rate when the heart rate drops, where you're clearing out lactate buildup in a in a way in which that that hole in the bottom of your lactate bucket gets bigger and allows a little enough to come out, where you can then go in and out of threshold. Um, I think there's got to be science behind that that makes perfect, perfect sense. I just don't know it.
0: Which is why I always found it crazy that people think that uh, time trialing races is easy. Like, oh, that person's just a time trialer. Oh, that was just a time trial. That's why they ran fast. Like, have you ever run a time trial? Have you ever lined up at a race with a rabbit who their only intent was to run your fastest sustainable pace for a while and then step off and you have to finish. Some people do really well off that, but that is a very difficult thing to do, A, mentally, knowing that that's your only purpose there, and B, you get right into your highest rate of exertion that you can sustain and you have to sit there and it gets worse every step of the way. Rather than being in a tactical race that might get out hot, settle for a bit, and then rev up to a big finish where that last lap, you can cut... Two seconds off your average pace by closing ten seconds faster than you're mm-hmm. than what you've been running. So, getting right into your maximum steady state, for lack of better terms, does not work for a lot of people. It's really difficult to do. So, that's just a little soapbox. Finish there. Respect the time trialers.
1: Somebody write in and save our butts. How about that? Um. All right. Well, here's the deal. Now, Bracken, I'm. We're. I'm, I have a quandary here, and that is that. We don't really have enough time to talk on the yeah. topic that I wanted to talk about today because we spent so much time. No, we don't. This would have been very much like a phone call Bracken and I probably would have had just catching up about things uh, pre-podcast recording. Um, I think we I think we save our topic for next week. So I think we either. Okay. What do you What do you want to do? Well, I'm going to
0: tell you about a workout I did this weekend, Kirk.
1: So that means you want to save our topic for next week.
0: Yep. Yep. Okay. Powering right Get through. into it. Get into it. So I did the Hobie Tempo this weekend. (laughs) The
1: traditional version?
0: Uh, I modified it. But the traditional rules of the work. uh, You run for an X amount of time, and then 12 walking lunges, 10 burpee broad jumps, 12 walking lunges, and then back to running. And the true Hobie Tempo from way back in the day where Hobie told me about this, and then he put it on his Hobie Calls How to Train for Obstacle Course Racing DVD, is these are five-minute bouts of running. He was going by time, not by distance, I believe. But you can do it as a half-mile run or a mile run. That's typically how I do it. I do it either as five-minute runs. No, we
1: prescribed this on the running public OCR plan not too long ago. So the listeners should be familiar. I don't
0: remember when it was. Yeah. it was, recently. but and sometimes I do it as a half-mile in between the runs, and sometimes it's a mile, and that's dependent upon is this base training or what we're prepping for. It doesn't matter. But um, I have not done this workout in a while. And it's one of the workouts I've done the most in my life. And I have a um, a strip of grass in front of the State Fair Park that's only about 300 meters from my home, which is like 0.49 miles, almost exactly a half mile long. And so it makes for really good repeatable workouts. And I decided that this is going to be one of my workouts that I will track my progress coming back. So I don't have the fitness to do the full threshold well right now because I haven't been doing much running outside and it's beating me up a little bit. Everything was treadmill based prior to Sweden. And I also was coming off the the flight, which I, I'm, I'm always rough for a while and I'm mm-hmm. hawking, hacking stuff up. So I, I decided I'm doing it as Hobie Temple threshold intervals. Do the lunges, burpees, lunges, 800 meter, 90 second rest, repeat that until my form starts to break and I decided just to run relaxed try to run kind of quick but try to run well where every stride it would look good on camera would feel good on my hips and my calves and everything just try to run fundamentally well and just whatever pace that settles into that settles into and I didn't get to check it until at the end of each rep okay because I didn't want to be fighting for speed during. So that's the workout I did. It was basically quality workout number one of my training block. It was just a benchmark test day without really doing a time trial Mm -hmm. test, just a test of where I am at right now. And so I got that one done. Uh, I did less total work than I thought I would be able to get done, but ran it slightly faster than I thought I would be running. So it was uh, stage one, but I just want to give people an idea of how you can modify a, a workout, you know, into a workout you should be doing right now. And then the goal over time is I will progress that until I can get to, I don't know, somewhere around eight to 10 reps of that. I did five. Mm. So I did five half mile segments until I can get to eight to 10 reps. And then I will start doing down and backs. So mile reps in between with still that 90 seconds recovery. And then once I can do four to five reps of that, then I will start cutting it into tempo blocks, like three by two mile, then two by three mile, and hopefully eventually do the full five to six mile tempo at the same pace and effort. I'm doing it now, but with no breaks in between. So that is the intended progression of the Hobie tempo workout for me in this next training block.
1: Yeah. And that workout is pretty intimidating. Uh, If, you haven't done it before as traditionally prescribed like you know it can be 40 straight minutes of well threshold type work without any break it's strength 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 run strength 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 run without breather and that would be a really digestible way to do it and ensure that you don't become a spitty stuck to the side of your face mess Halfway through it, which is what happens to most. Which I did hit. <laughs> okay, good.
0: <laughs> I, I, I coughed, spit, and it just whack, flipped right around to the side of my face and stuck there. And I had had like five days of stubble and I was like, oh my goodness, I'll get this at the end of the rev. That's a good look. A real good look. So, that's like you said, it's an intimidating workout, and it's one that when you start to fade, you just start slapping the ground and running with slow cadence, and you're just grinding through it. I didn't want to get to that point. I wanted to maximize my reps. I would rather have five reps where every stride is good or goodish, rather mm-hmm. than 10 reps where I'm basically just jogging with a lot of effort by the end.
1: Well, I did have one more, um, one more bit of clarity here while you were gone. If you would like to hear it. Okay. I was watching uh, Decafit NorCal on the Assault Bike um, on Thursday as like a pre-race recovery. And You know what I thought? I thought, I want to do that. I want to go out and do that because I believe that I can be good at that. And then I thought, well, when would I do that? I do too. And then I thought, well... I really did not enjoy winter running this year here in Minnesota. It started to get pretty icky for me. And I thought, well, why don't I go chase my pleasures here with the good conditions outside as I would like this spring, summer, and early fall and then and then now I can get ahead of it. Maybe just maybe I can commit to being inside a little more come oh let's say November. And start really chasing some of this uh, hybrid stuff. Just go with the seasons. What makes some mm. of these endurance athletes great? They ski in the winter, and they, and they run in the spring and summer and fall. And I'm like, I bet you that would do me some good. And I didn't really enjoy getting outside every day in the shitty weather. I would like to break that up with some indoor hybrid sessions. And so uh, your boy Kirk's in, in pre-contemplation here, Bracken, about just biding his time. But actually, thinking about uh, once the weather
0: pre-contemplation, turns. Yeah. yeah, well, I like that a lot, and it's uh, it's it's a pattern that I'm that I'm sure you're seeing and I'm seeing with athletes in OCR right now that are getting a little disenchanted with some of the brands. They've really enjoyed doing. Everybody's going to it they've enjoyed the hybrid off season because it's exactly what you said. It's a permission to use the treadmill and the bike and the rower and lift and do your quality stuff inside because that's what you're going to be doing on race day.
1: Yep.
0: And it breaks up the monotony of your winter. And then it's also really good base building for whatever you want to do next. You come out of it with really strong hips, back glutes, shoulders, whatever you want to do and and good compromise running and just good threshold. So from there on you can transfer, to whatever style of training you want to do so i support that
1: thanks man i think i can have my cake and eat it too and i can give everybody else cake and they can eat it too the ones who think and want and wish for me to be on the hybrid scene i got a couple athletes who i i coach and i really feel dialed in with my hybrid coaching um to be honest for somebody who doesn't race it i feel very confident in it. me and you run the similar philosophies but a few of them are like man it sure would be nice if you like showed up at a start line once in a while these hybrid races. I'm like, yeah, it would be nice. Yeah. I'm starting to feel like maybe I will, maybe I will. So there's that. But I think it's okay to have seasons of, of, of training and, and that summer's not going to be the one for me to go dive into it. This is the time I, the tracks going to be melted by the end of the week. Like the roads are clearing up. It's time to run fast now. It's not time to go suffer inside a gym.
0: Yeah, so,
1: I'll bide my time.
0: I agree with you. I watch HyROX competitions and I think, oh my goodness, I could just never really do this sport at the highest end. I'd have to dedicate every day of my life to being high-end mediocre. It's just at such a specific type. And then I watch DECA and I think, I think that just, I could be good at that. And I think the same thing about you. Like We could be fine at high rocks. And I think if I really went after a block of training, I could run 62 but that's not doing anything in the sport anymore. I think
1: I could do very well at high rocks. If I was all in, I'd have to go all in, but I think I could be competitive. So? I really do. However, Deca is Deca is, you know, the more I'm exposed to it, the more it keeps appealing to me, the more it keeps appealing to me. Um, and it's one of those things where you need to still train like a true runner in order to do well. Like you have to have both parts, whereas in high rocks, like, Ooh, you really almost have to lean into the strength side and that, inside out compromise piece so much that the traditional run workouts almost have to go by the wayside um, as far as quality sessions go. And So, but deck, I think you can get, you need both. You have to run fast enough for the duration. The weights are not quite heavy enough to completely ruin you if you're managing your effort appropriately. Um, so I think it's a good, happy medium. There, yeah, That's it.
0: I think so. All right. What else is crossing your mind right now, Bracken? Well, I was catching up on races watching some Savage, watching some High rocks, watching some DECA, uh, taking a look at some old Spartan races, just getting a lay of the land, mm-hmm. if you will. And you know what I realized, Kirk? Hmm. And this will sound uh, defeatist, but it's going somewhere. The sport's too fast. What? It's just too fast. I will never be able to get my running to where the top runners are in this sport anymore. Like That ship has sailed. I will not be able to run with Sean Roberts or Ryan Kempson or Atkins or VJ. That's just not in the cards. They're so, the running in this sport, I don't know if it's any better than Hobie or Cody or any of them were back in the day. I really, I still can't say that. Cody Moat was the 50k and 50 or marathon and 50k or marathon and 50 mile national champ in the same year. He was a twenty four forty eight runner at uh, what's that? Um, the Minnesota race. Oh, Roy Griak? What am I? Why am I blinking on that? At Grier, he yeah. ran twenty four forty. That's a slower course, like yeah. In college, that's fast. it's a hilly course. So he's very fast. Hobie was a what? Two sixteen thirty marathon runner. Mm-hmm. I can't say anyone's better than them right now, but they're all sharp. They're all good at it, and talking to Glenn, looking at what I want to be able to do. I don't I don't think that that's ever there. But you know what? The ticket against Hobie and Cody was, and the ticket these days is going to be, it just descended upon me that just be the best compromise runner you can possibly be. Tell VJ that. He knows it. There's no need to try to go 5K for 5K. He lives it. Yep, there's no reason to go 10K for 10K. I can't do that. I cannot do that, but I can compromise run. That always has been in the wheelhouse of mine, but it's what I've gotten away from in training. And so moving forward with my training, there's going to be an extremely high emphasis on compromised running, where I want every ounce of fitness I gain to be accessible under duress. And you are going to go in almost the exact opposite direction. And that's kind of fun for a year.
1: Yeah, but if you check the, you check the
0: yeah. boxes, you
1: stay healthy... In a year and a half, if we're sitting here, you might be like, oh, maybe maybe I can run with these boys. Right now, it seems so far away. But if you were to stay healthy, which you will, and you're to train consistent, which you will, you never know where it's going to end up. But I understand what you're saying. Yeah,
0: and, and I don't mean it like I can't race with these guys. I mean, I can't run with these guys. But you only have to be able to do it until the first really depleting obstacle hits. And then from there... Now the race starts. You know, there's people, you're one of those unique people that fall into
1: the category. There's like a a black hole between like 45 minutes and two hours for you. Yeah. Whereas in like, you could go in for like 30 to 40 minutes and you get yourself fit and you could run smash and maybe beat anybody in the sport. And then there's a window from like 45 minutes to two hours where like, no matter how good, and I feel the same way about myself almost, no matter how good you get, probably not going to be able to outclass them. But then if, we, if you embrace the three, four, the, the ultra scene again, I think you go out and possibly beat a Kempson. You go smash a Sean Roberts. You, like, there's like another end, but like, it's that middle area for like a lot of runners and some people fall in that. I either need to go short yeah. and hate my life intense with the big compromise piece, or I need to go out and I need to
0: outlast them. But that middle window is tough. Do you know what I'm saying? It really is. Yeah. And I worked for several straight years on that. I wanted to extend my 30 minutes up to 45 and my 45 to 60 and then my 60 to 90. And I got to the point where I could do that 60 to 90. Like two of my best races back to back. One was a, I went 59.50 or something like that. That was, uh, that was the duration. That, that was double what I could have done three years prior. And then I had a, a race in Asheville that was a super. And I, I was hanging through 75 minutes. And then I crumbled. So I, I was getting there. But even then, I needed a an addition to that. Not just my time window. It's a duration of skill during the race. The longer we spend doing one particular thing, the more I'm screwed. So like in Asheville, where the longest you spend doing something is like three minutes. Then you're running technical, then you're running fire road, then you're running, you're bushwhacking, and then you're doing twisty trail. Montana was the same way. You weren't doing the same thing for more than two or three minutes. If I can just shift from thing to thing, it buys me more time. Mm -hmm. And so I think as the sport gets better, I have to start picking courses as I come back because now at this point even a 20 minute race or a 30 minute race isn't enough. It has to be a 20 to 30 minute race that also suits my skill set. But yeah, I have this black hole in the middle, that medium length racing and extended duration of one thing. Yeah. Just, it doesn't work. That's a tough place to race. The intensity of the
1: suck is very high and the amount of time you have to hold it is very high. And that's where it's, it's very tough. Yeah. I will say just a side note, something of, of, interest and I'm sure we'll chat about this on Race Brain tomorrow when we record. But um it's interesting with Spartan's decision making um recently, uh seeing the shift in athletes over to Savage giving it a try has been pretty cool. I think I think the the life of the sport is in Savage's hands if you want to race longer than twenty minutes. At this point on the elite side you're seeing first timers all across the board, men and women's field committing I could get on board with a full-on, like, if, if Savage could be the old U.S. National Series, it has the potential. And just watching who showed up again this last weekend, seeing Leon come over, Ian Hosick run, and you saw Casey Monroe on the women's side, a few other women who have never been out there before. I think there's some real chance for Savage to save that side of the sport. So that's also something to consider moving forward, whether it's for yeah. you or it's for me um i think there might be an option there and i was such a spartan homer you know for a while because i loved the series it gave me a focus i could plan out my year and i think a lot of other people felt the same way but now that that option is gone if you don't want the 3k option Mm -hmm. i think savage could actually be something pretty pretty special uh with field density and so that's something that's also starting to rattle around in the back of my brain it's cool to see people jumping and trying it um that makes me uh, more interested uh, as well. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that. We don't need to chat that out too much. It's just uh, one of my random thoughts that's crossed my mind this week. Well, I
0: agree with that entirely. They're in the, what do they call it? The catbird seat now? Sure. <laughs> Heard that phrase? Uh, yeah. I don't even know what it means, but. <laughs> I think that's where they're sitting right now. Uh, selfishly for me personally, it's a bad series for me. Obstacles are quick. They're not heavy. They're not hiring they're skill-based and the running's flat and fast and not super technical that's what appeals to me. so it's it's not a series it's not a series that i've done historically a ton i think i've done five or six in my life but globally from a global perspective i love the fact that they're gaining traction on the elite side and they have a, a series that people can go run a 10k yeah. distance and race hard and We've seen two different winners now in two different races. We saw Sean wind up a couple minutes behind Kempson, and then Sean beat Kempson. So, I think that's the sign of a series that has some legs to it. Yeah,
1: it's caught my eye. I mean, it's always been on the radar, but now it's caught my eye. So the revelations are chase yeah. times. And- you should
0: do the Illinois one. When is it this year? It's generally in in the summer in Illinois at 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 that Richmond Hunt Club. I just laid out that I was going to chase running
1: and be outside and free. All summer, which I guess I could do for this. Outside
0: and free? And then yeah.
1: switch over my... Just a one-off. Yeah. Maybe a one-off. We'll see. It'd be a good excuse to visit you. Um, do we, Should we keep babbling or do we... Are we pretty much... We're pretty
0: much I'm not up. doing it. Oh, really? I think we're caught up. We have more off-mic chatting to do, probably. That's what we need. Yeah, that's true. Hope Hopefully you guys, uh, I
1: don't know, learned something today. We're, our original topic, which we'll most likely push off till next week, is... Uh, how to scale your workouts, uh, meaning like okay, if I'm a 35 minute 5Ker, well, I'm taking advice from a 15 minute 5Ker. What really works for me? How do I approach my training based on my speed? We're gonna we're gonna dissect yeah. that, and that takes that took more than 20 minutes. We left ourselves after getting caught up. Also, I'm gonna spring this on you, Bracken, and I know you agree with me. Running public merch sale starting next week. Everything must go. Okay, so everything must go. So everything must go. Get it out of here. Everything must go. We're putting everything. We're slashing prices, and we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be getting rid of some of our stuff for you because what what happens then is that means we order new stuff and different stuff, but we got to get rid of the 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 stuff we have first. We gotta get a race top. Let's get a race top. Let's get some race top. Yeah. So, anyways, running public sale next week. We'll we'll drop it officially probably next week on our training Tuesday. Cool with you, Bracken? Ice cold. Ooh. All right. Well, it's great to have you back. It's good to be, you know, back here playing footsie under the table. I enjoy it. It's great to be back. It's an exciting time to be alive, Kirk. It really is. All right. Till Friday.